Let's dive into uh, Abraham chapter 8. Well, the, the blessings of Abraham chapter 8. <laughs> um, we have got a lot of ground to, to cover here. But um, first off, let's, let's talk about the whole Sarah and Hagar and, and the uh, conception of uh, Ishmael, etc. Uh, what uh, interesting and insightful things did you learn from that part of the chapter as um, Hagar is given to Abraham and and these this blessing of posterity is realized through her and not Sarah. I, I find that that's such a interesting paradigm as we're talking about the uh, the blessings of the Lord and um, you know the the law of polygamy and, and handmaidens and, and things like that. I know that that's a tricky subject for, for lots, but, but yeah, what interesting things did, did you all learn this week as you were uh, reading that section? So Hagar and Ishmael were just a temporary posterity thing because it went to Sarah with mm -hmm. Isaac, right? That was just a temporary. Uh huh. Yeah. And then he wanted us to study and I didn't get a chance to do this. What the impact of Ishmael was. What was the impact of Ishmael? <laughs> yes, <laughs> the big grand question here. I I have my thoughts and ideas. I don't have a concrete answer on that. Um, but I think as we're reading through Daniel and uh, the, the four beasts of Daniel, that uh, Ishmael's posterity plays a huge role in in the leopard that, that he saw. I As we're reading through like... Um, Michael Rush's books and, and things like that, Daniel 11, uh, Ishmael and his posterity play a huge role in defeating the Antichrist when, when the time comes. Um, we know when the, the lost 10 tribes return and uh, the ships of, of Shittimwood, etc., cetera, um, come and, and help oust the Antichrist from the Americas, um, the, the tribe of, of Ishmael, uh, tend to, to keep uh, attacking the Antichrist. It kind of goes back and forth between the, the house of Jacob and the house of, of Ishmael, back and forth, back and forth, uh, attacking the Antichrist. And, and I think that that's uh, kind of a huge part that they play. Uh, here, when we learn about uh, Ishmael and his name and the promises and, and things made to him, um, what was the... The prophecy here. So the closest an English translation can come, and I'm reading on page 163, uh, about right in the mid uh, point of that, so just right after the, the first part of that paragraph, uh, that the angel further uh, assured Hagar that the freedom she had sought would in fact be enjoyed by her son. The closest an English translation can come to what the angel then said about Ishmael is that he would be a wild donkey of a man, uh, later on, it, it talks about that the it's more like a horse than a donkey, and that it was, it means a free man among men, enjoying the freedom of the desert. And um, really looking at Ishmael's posterity, the, the freedoms that they seek and, and want generally, obviously not with some of the jihadist and, and radical Islamists, but, but the ones that truly go... Um, after the, the course of Abraham, uh, they, they seem to, to really pick up on this mission and, and prophecy here that, that they are to, to seek freedom for, for all and, and to, to, to cast off the Antichrist in the end times. But uh, again, I'm not like a gospel scholar on that. I, I, if anybody has any insights or, or finds anything out on that in, in more detail, I would love to, to really know about that. But I think that that's a huge part that, that he plays in this chapter here, um, the, the future uh, blessings of Ishmael and his role in the end times. Um, Cameron? Yeah. Did Abraham and Hagar have other children? Did they live as man and wife or was this a one-time deal? That's a, a great question because um, uh, we'll find that out in, in chapter 12, uh, but it, it talks about a, a big posterity of Abraham, yet 
Um, this is the only one that, that we know of from Hagar uh, herself. And so uh, we don't know if there, there are uh, stepchildren, uh, kind of a thing from, from Hagar and, and possibly a future marriage or, or something. I don't know. Uh, yeah, that would be an excellent question to ask the, the author when he comes on. Uh, I'm, I'm a little fuzzy on, on that uh, timeline there, but we do know that that Abraham had a much more vast posterity than just uh, Ishmael and Isaac. Are but, yeah. you he had other handmaidens? Not necessarily. It just says that he has a vast posterity, and I'm not sure what that means exactly. Oh, yeah. I haven't read all of the traditions and things. He was married, uh, had wives after Sarah died. Remember the ones that, uh, <clears throat> and I'm just blanking on the name right now. But oh, oh, Keturah, right? Yeah, Keturah. Yeah. The one that Jethro comes through that was the father-in-law of Moses. They come through Keturah. Mm -hmm. But, yeah. I'd kind of forgotten about that. I need to brush up on, on chapter 12. It's interesting as I'm preparing for this class, uh, like I just finished recording um, chapters nine and 10, but I haven't got to chapter 12 again. It's been a couple months since I, I've read chapter 12 and it, it's fun how fast that stuff is <laughs> wiped from my memory. I have to keep going over this and over this and um, assimilating some of this. Uh, like chapter seven and eight, I, I've read a lot more than I have the, the outlying chapters. But yeah, the, the Keturah, that, that, that is one. And he was married to Hagar. Yeah. Um, it's interesting, kind of some of the parallels here. Uh, I, I wasn't planning to, to really go here in class, but I do have this written in my margin. Um, on page 162 and 163 here, that in 162, where it says that Philo further reports, um, that paragraph and the next paragraph, I have written out to the side that this parallels the story of Adam and Eve and the partaking of the fruit. And then on page 163, when Hagar flees, this is um, also tying into the story of the, the quick hide um, part of it. So whether you're talking about the the genesis story or the, the the temple account here but the the hagar fleeing is the uh you know like when satan says quick hide kind of a, a motif here so you can see a lot of uh, different adam and eve imagery throughout this chapter in regard to hagar um, which is interesting because it, it also plays out with sarah but with hagar we're, we're seeing lots of parallels um, with the Adam and Eve story and the, the fallenness of, of man. Um, uh, I, I guess we're not doing a book club on this one, but his other book, uh, E. Douglas Clark's other book is called uh, Echoes of Eden, and it directly takes Adam and Eve and compares them to Abraham and Sarah and what ways they uh, are the same story and the pattern and uh, the same way that Adam and Eve come out of Eden Abraham and Sarah bring people back into Eden. Um, but well, Hagar had been nice. She could have stayed, right? She didn't, it wasn't very nice after she had Ishmael. Yeah, exactly. Look at, at what this is talking about here. Um, so Hagar, although remembered as a woman of righteousness and faith, began to despise and treat Sarah with contempt or disdain. Her unbearable insolence included claiming that Sarah's infertile condition proved her spiritual inferiority. Like, that's a pretty big offense. I mean, if, if we haven't come to love Sarah here, this was kind of like a dagger to my heart the first time that I, I had read this. I never really understood the whole Hagar and Ishmael situation uh, until reading this book, but, but that was like a, oh, Hagar, like, serious? Like Sarah has done Sarah nothing. Sarah has nothing. done everything for you, and then you have to do that. Sarah, yeah. that's how I felt too. Like, oh my gosh, are you kidding? Uh huh. Yeah. And and what a <laughs> like. I didn't. Do I remember? I didn't read this today, but didn't Abraham check in with Hagar and make sure she was okay and still? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's in this chapter. Mm -hmm. 
But if you think about it, um, the story that's playing out is huge to the the history of the world and and God's plan. And so, of course, Satan's going to get in there and twist what he can. And so I'm sure he was working on Hagar and she, and she, you know, caved in a little. But, you know, I think she turned out to, you know, that was temporary thing, I think. Yeah. And, and it's kind of playing into the, the role of all of us. You know, Abraham and Sarah are kind of up on this pedestal where, I mean, they're basically perfect. They're, <laughs> they do no wrong. They're, they're very good people. And yet Hagar is, is, is with them, but makes mistakes. And she's a little bit more relatable. Like, um, yeah, how many times have we fallen and made, you know, grave errors and mistakes in life? Yet she has a lot of the covenant blessings and stuff because of that marriage and, and the sealing ties and um, the, the posterity, the Abrahamic blessings still flow through her womb as well as Sarah's. Um, they're, they're just played out in different ways. And yeah, it, very interesting uh, things to, to point out here with, with Hagar. But yeah, she, she makes a grave mistake here and, and starts um, puffing herself up a little bit. You know, like, well, I can get pregnant, so it must be you, Sarah. Uh, it's just so unfortunate yet um there are many unfortunate things that, that play out throughout the the history of the earth you know like um uh, all of a sudden his name is blanking me the the one that betrayed jesus uh judas um you know that that's super unfortunate all of the the things surrounding him but at the same time it, it plays a part and and things are necessary to 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 fulfill God's plan in in the blessings and, and and everything for the end times as well. And I think we really need to remember that, 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 that we all play a part. We're all children of God. We all have an opportunity. We all can be forgiven. Peter was forgiven. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, exactly. So we all, and, and then we know it's prophesied. So all this stuff is going to happen and, and it's the children of God that's going to make it happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with imperfect people. That's all he's ever had to work with. But he deals with it and it makes it happen. <laughs> and here, as she um, heads out into the desert, runs away, um, the Lord sends an angel to help her and to, to buoy her up. And, and she gets uh, a great blessing here. Yeah, exactly. Prophecy and stuff. And I've got in my notes that this was Enoch that was the angel, but I don't know where I got that from because it's been a while since I've read that and I've forgotten it, but I, I do have it here in my margins. But. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, that, well. and that he was speaking in divine investiture to mm-hmm. her. Yeah. Yeah, it's very interesting, but some amazing blessings are given to to Hagar and to Ishmael, and um, we'll see that as she does come back, she is meant to come back. Like the Lord could have just um, separated her at that point from from the tribe, kind of a thing, but He didn't. He brought her back in, and we have the whole scenario. And then uh, again, they are um, taken out, escorted out. Um, but not left left alone I mean Abraham still takes care of them it's not like he's just sending them off into oblivion I mean he takes care of them as we find out later yeah (laughs) like in chapter 12 and stuff that some of the most poignant messages of hope come when Isaac and Ishmael are our best friends when when their mother and father die like they they're they're all joined together as as a family they the separation was was necessary for some grand reason yet um the lord didn't leave them separated and alone during their lifetime i mean they they had many chances to 
to grow close together and, and things. Mm -hmm. It was interesting at the time of his death, of Abraham's death, they didn't have to send for Ishmael to come. Um, he was already there. Yeah. Amongst them. Amongst them. All right, so kind of transitioning into the, on page 164, it talks about being perfect. So um, it says 13 years had passed, years of faith and, and everything. Um, and then suddenly, unexpectedly, the Lord appeared to Abraham. The last time Abraham had seen the Lord was in heaven when Abraham was taken up to the divine throne. So he, he comes and says, I am God Almighty, walk with me and be blameless or in other translations, be perfect, live in my presence and be perfect. Um, it goes on to kind of talk about that the, the righteous man never feels secure in his righteousness. He's always on guard against his some shortcoming in himself and strives to improve himself. And so he must have, have taken that, that quick inventory of himself, like, whoa, be perfect. Okay. What do I need to do? Like what, what's going on? Like the Lord, like this isn't just an everyday occurrence, but you know, the Lord's coming to me and says, be perfect. Okay. Be blameless. Um, okay. What do we got to do? And uh, just kind of putting yourself in those, those shoes. What if the Lord comes to you and, and, and tells you, okay, now I need you to walk in my presence and be perfect, be blameless. All right, done. <laughs> it's, it's easier said than, than done, but uh, what does it mean to, to be perfect? I know we've had uh, quite a few general conference talks on this, especially lately and Elder Holland, uh, different ones that, what does it mean to be perfect? And, and why is that a requirement for mortals that are kind of prone to never be perfect? I mean, that's what this earth is all about. Like, <laughs> we're not going to be achieving perfection uh, here and, and stuff like, what, what does that mean? The, the whole perfect concept. Well, it's a process, you know, um, I was reading somewhere about, we can become perfect on some things. We might really be reach perfection on a thing or two, but it's not going to be everything by any means, but we're capable of it in degrees, mm -hmm. but it probably won't come in this life, in this mortal mm -hmm. estate. Yeah, Elder Holland says, be you perfect eventually. I mean, this is what we're striving for. This is the goal. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like Abraham, he's he's pretty dang close at this point. I mean, <laughs> he's getting visits from the Lord. He's, he's having apocalyptic experiences, being taken up to heaven and things. Um, but yet still comes the um the message here be perfect now look at what he's experiencing in his life i mean uh <laughs> his wives aren't getting along and uh things are are you know rocking the boat it's not smooth sailing for him yet obviously but yet okay be perfect remember that this is the goal and and don't get caught up in uh the heat of the moment and, and things like this like Make sure that we're, we've got our, our true goals in mind. I'm going to take you on a, a wild ride here uh, before you actually bear children with, with Sarah, but be perfect. We got this. <laughs> I think that it, it's very hopeful, even though, uh, you know, our text sometimes kind of uh, gives us like an impossible command, you know, like be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and um, don't partake of the, the fruit of that tree kind of thing, like two opposing um, uh, commandments, uh, yet um, that there's hope in, in all of it, and, and God has a perfect plan. Um, let's see. Well, what, what this all makes me think for a second here, mm -hmm. he, he had to take Hagar as a wife, and that is the practice of polygamy, and then when Joseph Smith was um, receive revelation that he needed to do that. It was the time for that. And he received so much persecution for it. Was that just Satan stepping up? It's, and people didn't understand that this is already in the Bible. <laughs> we have a story. <laughs> yep. Like, hello? <laughs> yep, exactly. 
that polygamy is is <laughs> an ugly beast that rears its head when um, people don't understand it fully and, and stuff. And so what's its purpose? It's always to to really multiply and replenish the earth, to, to um, provide for God's children when they need to hurry and, and grow their numbers quickly and establish nations or establish this, people. Yeah, I agree with that. But in this case, it would have been so easy for him to allow Sarah to conceive. Yeah. I guess that, it was just for test. This was their test. Yeah. And what a hard test that would be. I mean, yeah. Infertility is awful. Yeah. yeah. That's, especially for that long. Oh my gosh. With that promise that you knew that you needed to fulfill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a huge, that's a huge test. Exactly. All right. And so with this visit, here we get the establishment of the actual covenant, the, the, the grand Abrahamic covenant that we talk about. Uh, he's had multiple tests up until now and, and things, and he's going to continue to have tests. Um, yet here is where the actual name change comes in. He changes from Abram to Abraham and, um, and the, the promise of, of priesthood, posterity, promise, promised land, uh, etc. But um, it's very interesting that all of this, um, like everything there on page 166, I keep going back to. Uh, I love that one part. It's just one letter, which is part of um, Yahweh's name, Jesus's, or Jehovah's name, Jesus's name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's really cool. Yeah. Oh, Yahweh. And it's interesting like how many times does President Nelson talk about this in his talks? I, I found like over five or six uh, so far that, that he points out uh, uh, Abraham and the, the Yahweh connection there and everything. That's very important to, to President Nelson, uh, very meaningful and um, crucial that we understand some of the, the connections here. Uh, how did you look the- that up? Um, so I, I've been doing that, that study or compilation of President Nelson's talks from the 60s, 70s, 80s so far. I, I'm working into the 90s and 2000s and stuff, but, um, but yeah, uh, just in those ones that I've found so far, he's mentioned it uh, quite a few times. Did you mark those talks? or? Um, yes and no. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> Like as I'm going through them, I'll, I'll kind of make notes and, and jot them down and stuff, but I'm not very organized. They're all on little sticky notes here on my desk. So yeah, I'll find out which talks those are and, and I can uh, share those with you. Um, but yeah, one of the, the big eye-opening things to studying President Nelson's words is how often he goes to the original translation. He always is, he's like a master of the the Greek and Hebrew and and all of these these texts and things. He he knows those words inside and out as he's uh, discoursing and and telling us the blessings that that are ours. But um, yeah, he's he's always giving talks on Israel and uh, at least five or six times that I've found he's talked about this specific uh, connection between uh, Abraham's new name and and Yahweh's name. let's see you know last week we talked a little about um um let's see uh, that sarah was able to have isaac because of a renewal of her body and we talked about it that's probably translation you know mm-hmm. i think after they passed this test here they were translated because they're on page 169 about in the middle of it um it says and his ways to his friend it's it he's called the lord's calling abraham his friend and we know from other scriptures when he calls them beloved or friend that's when they're translated Mm -hmm. and so i I think this is confirming what we was thinking last week, that that is true. Charlie, what paragraph is that? What does it start with? 
And rabbinic uh, or are they in contrast? You said in the middle. Yeah, rabbinic tradition, um, it's about halfway through that paragraph. So just right after footnote 79. Okay. Way, okay. God's revelation was a continual unfolding of himself and his ways to his friend, making Abraham's life a perfect illustration of Joseph Smith's statement. Um, that, well, this is like one of the most important parts here. When we understand the character of God and how to come to him, he begins to unfold the heavens to us and to tell us about it. When we are ready to come to him, he is ready to come to us. I think that's a, such an important principle there. Um, but yeah, whether, uh, well, I heard explain repentance better where I could understand it better. When we repent is when we are actually coming to God and the, the at one, like I hadn't put it all together, but that's when we actually come to him when we repent. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense there. And then we've been told to do it daily. I mean, even more than daily. So mm -hmm. that's that let God prevail yeah all the time to repent all the time uh, and that's such an important principle I know our, our mission president really uh, tried to emphasize that with us as missionaries that seriously repent every single moment of of your ministry here like um, if you don't treat your companion well repent right then don't leave it till that night for companionship uh, prayers or, or inventory on thursday like repent right there in the middle of the street say sorry move on and uh, ask god for forgiveness if you do that you'll always have the spirit to be with you kind of thing and it was like oh my word it was like we were repenting all the time <laughs> but, but yet it's such an important principle and you see some of the fruits of that that yeah as you're repenting and constantly aware of your uh, errors and, and things that in a way you are like casting out quite often throughout the day. Um, that kind of a two-part thing of um, you're, you're casting out either Satan or the, the evil that was a residue of uh, Satan's uh, temptation prior or whatever, but whatever you're doing, you're, you're throwing all of that out and renewing yourself. You're almost, um, uh, dying as to self and being reborn just in that moment repentance and, and that's why repentance is taught before baptism because if you don't have that that practice down first when you get baptized you're just going to fall like almost immediately and so the repentance is an important process to know okay this is this is continual yes you will renew it uh at the sacrament table each week but you need to be doing it every single time that you sin like it's this is constant repentance is is a uh, the daily hourly practice of uh, uh, casting off the 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 bad things that the natural man and 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 coming to Christ uh, each and every moment of your life and I think that that's a, a huge part of always having His Spirit to be with us. The if we're not if we're not repenting constantly then. And there's times when, you know, certain parts of the day where, well, that wasn't very fruitful. I didn't hear the, the voice of the spirit then. You could have if you if you would have repented, kind of a principle. I also, um, as we, as we um, keep the commandments, we give Satan less power. So if you imagine if everyone was keeping the commandments, there would be no, Satan, Satan would be bound. That's what the millennium is. Satan will be bound when everyone keeps everyone that's left will keep the commandments and he won't have any, any impact on us so as we keep the commandments he's bound from us that doesn't mean we're not going to be tried and have issues but mm -hmm. um, it'll certainly be a lot easier yeah he won't have <laughs> he'll just be trying and, and kicking against the pricks and we'll just be like whatever we're repenting we're we're good <laughs> But yeah, I find that um, this, this principle of spiritual circumcision on page 170 ties into this a lot. That, um, I, I don't know, I, th I find that, that circumcision is one of the, the most misunderstood principles in the gospel amongst most people. It's just because, oh, we don't want to talk about that. That's gross, whatever. <laughs> but um, as we, we talk about walking circumspectly before God and... Um, that we 
I think it's kind of this, this repentance thing of um, taking upon ourselves a, a sign of the covenant and um, showing that we're casting off the natural man and, and walking spiritually before him, trying um, to, to do this. And so um, on, on page 170 here, it talks about from church father Ambrose that bodily circumcision is a sign of spiritual circumcision. Therefore, the sign remained until the truth arrived. The Lord Jesus Christ arrived, who circumcises the whole person in truth, not a minor bodily member in sign. He abolished the sign and installed the truth. And um, I find it very impactful when we're talking about Abraham and, and that sign that he's giving forth here of the, um, the be perfect principle. It comes in this section when, when God is, is telling him to be perfect, repent always, and um, that we can... Um, Yeah, just cast off the natural man. I, I'm losing my words here, but <laughs> um, interesting. The if you want to do a word study on uh, circumcision versus circumscribe and and how that ties into our covenants, it, that one uh, was kind of uh, life changing for me as I was going through the temple and uh, realizing the differences between uh, those two words and and how they play into to our covenants. Yeah. Um, I think anyone who circum who performs that on themselves should be translated. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't expecting that, but yes. <laughs> you know, how does that even have? I don't know, but yeah, he performs it on himself. That's it's crazy. I know. How could that? He was an incredible person. <laughs> yeah, and that the whole camp uh, goes along with it. You know, I mean, they, they haven't done it or anything. And all right, well, that's kind of like their their obedience to their leader, their prophet. You know, like if a prophet asks a really hard thing, something uh, along that line, like, okay, do we just <laughs> do it? That's all right. We're going here. <laughs> yeah, I think of Moses's wife, um, having to the Lord was upset with Moses because he hadn't had his two sons circumcised he's supposed to be the example here mm. and anyway his wife takes it and they're just out in the wilderness aren't they anyway they were traveling and anyway she just gets a sharp stone and and circumcises her two sons i thought i couldn't have done that that would just be hard mm. it's hard yeah. enough to hear your little son screaming in the doctor's office and you can't do anything about it mm -hmm. i have a friend who is a midwife um in utah and she went to um a circumcision for one of the babies eight days old and it was a ceremony he came in his you know his clothes the, the tassels and this hat and everything and um did a prayer and circumcised the baby right there and then in the house hmm. and then um handed right like, it was like really fast like zip right to the baby uh, right to the mom and the mom went in the other room and fed the baby and, and the baby hardly even cried i mean it was just like so quick and she oh, was really yeah mm -hmm. and this is in utah and i you know i lived in utah for for um four years and i never saw anybody that looked like a rabbi so yeah. I don't know how she found a rabbi, but that was really cool. Um, but I, I guess it's something that's still practiced ceremonially with the Jewish, because mm -hmm. they because they don't know that the Messiah has come yet, Jesus has come yet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um. So yeah, I, I find that this this story is just so interesting. How. Um, the circumcision and, and the whole city and, and all of that. Uh, well, not the whole city, but everybody uh, in Abraham's influence here. And then um, comes uh, the, these three figures, the Melchizedek and his counselors and, and stuff. And um, Abraham's still recovering from, from the circumcision underneath the, the terebinth tree and, and stuff. And I, I don't know, it's just kind of a interesting 
connection here. Like just trying to imagine the scene because I mean, I don't know. I mean, we've heard of, you know, circumcision and that it happened with Abraham and stuff, but here it's just painting out this whole story, this whole picture, this, this scene that that's happening here. And it's just very, <laughs> very colorful, very like, Whoa, this, they haven't made a movie about this yet, <laughs> but um, that uh, these, these three men come right at this time when he's recovering from, from the circumcision here. It's like, what kind of connections and parallels and, and things do we learn um, about the timing here? Um, that, that circumcision, the, the command to, to be perfect, the receiving of the Abrahamic covenant, the circumcision, and then come these three messengers to actually um, tell Sarah that, that she's going to conceive soon. Like it's happening. The, the moment has finally arrived. Or was it their name, names already changed? Uh, yeah, I believe their names are already changed. At least in the chapter, that's the order that it comes in. So their names are changed. Then he is circumcised, and then the three visitors come, and then she conceives after he heals. Mm -hmm. Yep. Because we we hear of this uh, story where uh, Sarah laughs and uh, in the tent, kind of a thing. I mean, we we talk about that tongue in cheek a lot of times in in some lessons here, but. Um, there, there's so much more to the story here and we, we've got a, a lot of stuff happening. Um, but I find it so intriguing that uh, it's a good possibility that this is Melchizedek. Uh, his city has already been translated, yet he's coming back uh, at this specific moment in time uh, when Sodom and Gomorrah are going to be um, cast off forever and Abraham's posterity is going to be elevated forever. Um, uh, kind of a, a juxtaposition there and um that he he recognizes his friends um uh, this melchizedek who he spent a lot of time with and uh they perform the washing of the feet ordinance here and um have the then have the the whole scene where uh they talk about the the posterity and sarah laughs etc uh i don't know i just i find the story so interesting Cameron, don't, don't they heal Abraham? Don't they heal him? If they did, I totally missed that. And I need, where, where's, what page is that on? Um, I, I'm not sure what page, but I just re, think I remember that they healed him so that, so that they could conceive. Uh -huh. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Let's see. Just trying to quickly scan through it. So was this whole process his simple experience? Because it, it sounds really familiar. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I, I think so, too. Yeah, I am going to have to study that out more. I Now that you say it, it does seem like it talked about where they gave him a blessing and stuff, but I didn't realize that that was like a, a healing that that had happened and stuff, and that makes so much sense, if it is. Yeah. Put that in my notes. Oh. That would kind of explain their timing there, mm -hmm. you know, showing up to do that. So yeah, as Abraham pops up and, and serves these guests and uh, twirls, um Sarah to, to go and, and make some, some cakes and, and things like that um, to cakes of bread to to feed these guys but they have quite the the kingly feast here uh, i find it kind of a the opposite parallel here where uh, abraham went to melchizedek and received the sacrament the, uh, the the wine and the bread and yet now melchizedek as a translated being is coming to him and this time abraham's feeding him it's different food um, but um, nevertheless, they, they still are eating, and it's a, kind of an equal but opposite uh, parallel here. Um, 
I, I love the, the parallels here that the author points out between uh, Sarah and, and the future Mary, um, kind of the enunciation principle and, and, and some of this. I have written down here that so intriguing that, that Sarah, the seer, um, that uh, she is a, a prophetess in, in and of uh, her own right, uh, about midway through the page. Um, and as faith opened spiritual vistas of a new vision, so Sarah's prophetic powers were such that as a Jewish tradition remembers, she was also known as a seer. She foresaw Israel's history and prayed to God to assist them in their tribulations. So again, um, just as, as all prophets do, they see future tribulations and they uh, prophesy and pray for uh, future posterity. I find that so interesting. But yeah, on, on page 179, uh, just like what you're talking about, the, the whole endowment temple experience here, we have um, that quote right before the new section where uh, this is this is the phrasings and, and things of, of some of our ordinances here. Um, let's see, uh, let's see, this is from George Q. Cannon, member of the First Presidency, reminded Latter-day Saints in general conference that God has promised us that we shall sit upon thrones, that we shall have crowns, and that we shall have a posterity as numerous as the stars of heaven, as countless as the sand upon the seashore. For, said he, I seal upon you the blessings of kingdoms, of thrones, of principalities, of powers, and of dominions. I seal upon you the blessings of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob. I seal upon you the promise that you shall come forth in the morning of the first resurrection, clothed with glory, immortality, and eternal lives. These are the promises that are made to Latter-day Saints. The Lord promised unto Abraham that as the stars of the heaven were innumerable in multitude, and as the sand on the seashore was countless, so his seed should be. That same promise has been sealed upon your heads, ye Latter-day Saints who have been faithful. Like those are powerful promises that Abraham is receiving at this time and that uh, Melchizedek is coming and, and confirming the, the covenant with Abraham that he's, he's making here. And we're running low on time, dang it. Um, but as this arcs and, and changes directions rapidly, here we go into um, these angels' mission now is to go and destroy the, the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. And um, I find it so interesting, Abraham's response here. Like, seriously, he's recovering from circumcision. But as you point out, he might have been healed right here and stuff. So that, that makes sense. But um, he's having such a, a spiritual experience with these three messengers um, that like, yeah, Sarah's gonna finally conceive and, and this is it, like joy and glad tidings and we're gonna go destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. So we'll be right back, <laughs> kind of a thing. And Abraham just goes directly to, to what Abraham does best and he, he pleads with the Lord. He uses his position as a prophet, as a, a dispensation head, as an archangel to plead on behalf of these people. I, I find that just so, so telling of his character that, I mean, he, he could have thought like, oh, well, if I petition, I might lose out on, on my blessings or something like, you know, like the Lord's already going to destroy them who am I to intervene? You know, like Satan could, could tell us a number of different lies and fill us full of stuff. Yet he, he just is moved with compassion. His bowels are filled with compassion for these people. Um, and again, God appears to Abraham. Um, here on page 181, I'm kind of reading some of these things, but uh, God actually appeared to Abraham, a remarkable fact, considering what was on Abraham's mind, for Abraham was about to question the Almighty and even negotiate with him over the fate of the Sodomites, to whom he had been a friend. Abraham was much exercised, and God not only paid attention, but went to the trouble of coming to earth to hear his friend Abraham in person. Our Heavenly Father is more liberal in his views, stated Joseph Smith, and boundless in his mercies and blessings than we are ready to believe or receive. 
he will be inquired of by his children. I find, I mean, back in, in chapter seven, I wrote that that was the most important section of the whole book to me. This is the, the most important phrase of the whole book to, to me uh, right here. He will be inquired of by his children. I, I find that, I mean, that one just overwhelmed me with, with love, respect, gratitude, peace, comfort, just everything. As I read that statement, like that was just confirmed so much to me. He will be inquired of by his children. Like he loves us so much. And especially as we come and become his friend, that even if we don't understand his full designs for, um, for the other inhabitants of the earth and things, <laughs> he takes the time. He has a busy schedule. I mean, he's, he's God. He's Lord over the whole earth. And yet um, he, he doesn't only answer, but he, he takes the trouble uh, of coming to earth kind of thing. Like this is, this is huge. He will be inquired of by his children. I find that um, even more telling of Abraham, more telling of the Lord. This is, this is a huge characteristic. The, the Lord uh, does hear and answer us and um, when we're ready to come to him, he's ready to come to us, kind of a thing. So then comes the, the famous part that we all uh, tend to, to study in Sunday school, where he negotiates with the Lord. All right, so if there's 50 people, if there's 45, if there's 40, uh, all the way down to 10, um, it, it, you know, it reminds me of um, Joseph Smith um, negotiating with the Lord on, on behalf of the, the 116 pages. Uh, wanting that that blessing and you know the lord does agree upon um some of these terms he works with the patriarchs and um those that are uh worthy individuals that have kept their covenants he he works with us if, if something doesn't seem agreeable to us at, at certain times that um there's there's oftentimes a a negotiation of sorts that can happen in certain things. I'm not saying that that's universal, obviously, but um, in this case, um, the Lord uh, starts doing that to a point, and then the Lord ceases speaking with Abraham. Now, that would terrify me to my soul. <laughs> the, the Lord ceases speaking with Abraham. Oh man, did I just risk everything? Like, did I just lose my Abrahamic covenant uh, because I, I pushed too far? Kind of a thing. Uh, that that would scare me in that kind of a, a situation there. But um, Abraham was was just such an amazing guy, uh, praying for um, the Sodomites and and his love and compassion for them. We know from his example that he's always pitching his tent um, in strategic places so that he can always be a missionary at all times and uh, loving his fellow man, no matter what um, uh, attitudes and, uh, and things they might have. But um, I think that that's so huge in, in this chapter, the, the love that Abraham has for for the people outside of himself. Um, as part of the, the homework assignment, we, we talked about uh, creating a list of all of the prophets or uh, scriptural people that have prayed for the people uh, rather than, than just their own family, etc. But when they branch out and start praying for the world as a whole or for a people or, or, or things like that, and, and some of those outcomes are just amazing, the Lord really does hear and answer those earnest prayers on behalf of others. Um, I can't remember if it was in this book or whatever, but it's just popping in my head that um, quote that I'm going to paraphrase and, and ruin, but um, that, that God doesn't do anything, um, any, any blessings and, and things like that, unless it's a prayer from, from one of his righteous kind of a thing. Um, I need to, to find that quote because that, that's a huge one. I, I should have that memorized. Um, but, but interestingly enough, um, uh, Enoch, uh, Noah, all of these patriarchs seen our day and then dropped to their knees and, and pled with the Lord on our behalf. 
and look at the blessings that they were given. Enoch was given a huge covenant, and it was renewed with Noah, that um, uh, this, this great plan of defense and protection in the last days was going to come because those patriarchs saw our day and pled for us. Um, I think that that's huge um, and, and a huge thing that we learned from this chapter. Um, where do I have it? On page 183, um, the very last paragraph there on, on that page, it says that Abraham's example invites his latter-day descendants to do the same for today's world. According to modern prophets, President Gordon B. Hinckley declared, I heard President Lee say once to a congregation in Europe, how we of this relatively small church could become the few who save the world from destruction, as occurred when Abraham bargained with the Lord concerning the cities of the plains. Tremendous is our responsibility, and great and marvelous is our opportunity as sons and daughters of God. That is interesting, because I have recently felt to um, just ask for repentance for our country and for our city and for my family. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, that, that, I mean, that's been impressed that, that I need to do that. And it seems weird because I think we need to, I think we need to ask for our own repentance, but mm -hmm. um, just pleading for our country, you know, gosh, dang, we're doing some really awful things. Yeah, exactly. And so um, that's part of my homework for, for this week. Uh, moving forward from chapter eight on, uh, all of my little homework assignments here are not so much about studying, but actually putting into practice the things that we're learning now. Uh, my homework for, for this next week is pray for the inhabitants of this world with all of the fervor that you can muster this week. Each and every day, pray as Abraham prayed for the Sodomites, pray for this nation, pray for this world, pray for your family, Pray for your community, uh, your Zion community where you're at, building up in, in righteousness. Pray for each and every person that, that can possibly benefit from, uh, from the Lord. Pray as if everything depends upon the Lord, and then get up and, and act as if everything depends on you. Uh, that's that's, that's a, a huge... Uh, homework assignment but i hope you'll you'll take time to to do that so uh, I, I can share an experience for yeah. um the last 14 or 15 years um i have felt to pay praise specifically for our president and we've had presidents on both sides mm -hmm. just pray um for um, safety and protection for our president pray that the uh, purposes of the lord can be fulfilled and that i could be at peace with those purposes mm-hmm and, and that has brought great peace. And mm -hmm. I have an alarm set on my phone for um, nine o'clock every night. It goes off. I'll hear it in a second here. <laughs> <laughs> and it doesn't, you know, it's sometimes it's just a really short prayer and sometimes it's a longer prayer. And I'll pray throughout the day also, but just every night at nine o'clock, just to know that there it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, just to know that all the, all the things that have been prophesied have to come to pass. Yeah. And whatever our, whatever our place is in those prophecies, we're all children. Like I said before, we all have a place. And so that we're able to do whatever needs to be done. Mm -hmm. And I hope I'm always on the good side. I want to be on the good side. <laughs> That's the side I want to be on. But yeah, thank you for that assignment. That's really Yeah, cool. thank you for that experience that it's uh, very helpful and, and motivating here that if we are wanting the, the blessings of Abraham in our life, uh, regardless of, of whether we're, we're seeking translation or, or all of these things that we kind of talk about, um, but if you are wanting the blessings of Abraham, this is what Abraham's example leads us to. And, and I think that it, this isn't just a, a thing for, for prophets and uh, patriarchs and apostles that we as a people, we in the church, this relatively small few of us here on earth at this time, need to start um, 
praying for the people with with all of the fervor of our heart. Yeah, I, um, we're <laughs> we're out does of time. Know that, does everyone know that you can access the um, Temple Prayer Roll on your phone now? Oh, yeah. So if you go into if you go into Gospel Tools and then you go into um, let me see, let me open this up. You go into more, click more, and it says temples. So not in library, but in tools. And it says prayer roll, prayer roll right there. And you can put names on the prayer roll right there on your phone. Did you know that? Uh -huh. I, I did, but I have, I've fallen out of the, the habit these, these past couple months. I've kind of, that slipped my mind like many other things do. <laughs> yeah, but, it's right um, there. It's, and then I believe we'll be able to make appointments this way also in temples that we have to make appointments. Mm -hmm. um, one time I opened it in it and it shows um, ordinances that are available or something, but then like the next week it was gone. So I think that they were just kind of setting it up. Mm -hmm. But I think that instead of calling the temple and making a, an appointment, I'm in a smaller temple, so I have to make appointments here in North Carolina. <laughs> but I think that that's what how that will work in the future. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's very interesting. I hadn't heard that before. But yeah, I, technology is, is moving the word, the Lord's work along at, a, at an amazing pace. And even in, in shutdown and, and all of these different things, the, mm -hmm. the Lord isn't caught by surprise. I mean, he's been preparing this stuff and, and, and working uh, with our our technology gurus at, at church headquarters for, for all of these things. Well, the and, gospel living app, is anybody using that in their wards yet? Uh, our ward has not picked that up. <laughs> I don't know. So we're kind of, I was just called into Relief Society. We're, we're trying to, um, to use that. And I just really feel like um, that just might be the connection with each other in the future. Mm -hmm. What do you mean the gospel great. living app? So I'm not sure what if you just put in the app store gospel living it's a little leaf and in there it's beautiful and i think you'll really like it because it has oh okay okay it has, I think it has a leaf yeah do you have it cameron yeah let me just try to bring it up here so at the bottom there's circles and you can click on the circles and so you can communicate with relief society or your children's circles your family circle um that's so cool that you can do this you're amazing oh cool um so <laughs> i don't like, see that. oh there it is in the right middle there. on the left hand side um there's that blue one with the the leaf there so i click on it and they originally uh did this for the youth but they they quickly expanded it for for everyone but um at the bottom here you have well it might be different on different phones but um there's a discover tab where there's all of the different things it's kind of like a facebook feed and it uh, changes all the time it's fabulous yeah and then on the today calendar you can add different um photos uh things to do etc uh your life is a place where you can record goals and impressions the circles, it, this is what I mean. I don't have to join them or anything. They're just already there based upon my callings and, and et cetera. So um, the adults, you can uh, look at all of the adults in the ward and communicate with all of them at once. I can communicate with the entire elders quorum at once or my household um, it has um, us on here. And then uh, my profile, I can edit my preferences, et cetera. But um, yeah, you can see I don't really use it that that often. Our ward hasn't really picked up on it. The, but um, yeah, okay. it's great app, I understand it now. I think that I do recall now that they were talking about this with the youth, and we were trying to get our, our young women to to use these. Mm -hmm. I haven't really used it yet, or neither has anyone in our ward really, other than the youth so far. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's very interesting. In our ward, uh, there's quite a number of parents that will not let their their youth connect to technology very much. Uh, they don't have Facebook accounts. They don't have smartphones. They're they're very Amish. <laughs> well, so, you can understand why because they can yeah. get easily distracted on some of those little sidelines that are not quite so uplifting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I think that that's why our ward hasn't really full on implemented it yet. But uh, oh. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a great thing to. Uh, to look at and and see how it uh, goes in the future. I mean, because the Lord always prepares it before it's actually um, 
needed in, in great circumstances. Like you said, it, it might be the way we communicate in the future as a church. Um, if certain things start getting uh, monitored or taken down or whatever kind of thing, we, we might go yeah. that route. Boy, didn't that get interesting here, this this last little bit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So we need to learn how to use it, I take it. I guess I better <laughs> take the dive and get my feet wet. <laughs> yep. Yeah, me too. All right. So uh, we already kind of talked about the, the homework there. So coming back to final thoughts on, on this chapter before we head out. Uh, there's a lot there that we didn't cover, but um, any final thoughts, testimonies, interesting insights that you learned from, from chapter I just wish I can remember everything. It's so frustrating. Right? Yeah. <laughs> there was a way to always remember and, and not forget all these fun things that we learn and stuff. I guess getting it in there, it will be brought back to your remembrance. So just keep poking it. Mm -hmm. Yep. But yeah. All right, well, um, that's it. I will post the, the new Isaiah schedule on, on the site and everything so that we can get caught up on that. Um, the only thing uh, to prepare for, for that book club uh, that's starting in April is to buy Isaiah Decoded if you're wanting to participate in that section of it. Uh, after Isaiah Decoded, we'll, we'll dive right into the actual writings of Isaiah. And you can so use whatever translation that you'd, you'd like. We'll compare all of them in class. Are you doing a whole chapter at a time? Is that what you have? Yeah, so it, it's more of a, a rush through it. Um, it's not uh, as in-depth as like our other Isaiah study group, but um, this one is, is taking a chapter at uh, a chapter a week for Isaiah Decoded. Awesome. Yeah, I'm excited for that. Maybe mm -hmm. I'll put it in there a little deeper. <laughs> yep. All right. Sounds good. We will see you all next week. Thank you. Have a great week. Yeah.